back to the Fresh Expressions podcast. I'm Gannon Sims. I'm joined by my colleague, Heather Jalad, and we've got another episode. This one, uh, taking the shape of a of the perspective of uh, a colleague, J.D. Larson. J.D. is a church planter in Minneapolis, and he planted a church that went, it went really well. And there was this thing then that happened called the global pandemic. (laughs) You remember that, Heather? Yeah, I remember. Are we out of that yet? (laughs) I don't think we're out of it. It's the global endemic uh, at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But, you know, after sort of, quote, planting successfully, I mean, and it depends on how we define success, but in this case, it was growing, but it was growing from Mm -hmm. kind of the transfer growth of of bored Christians, which is what Graham Cray would say uh, not to do in Mm. Fresh Expressions. We're not trying to grow churches full of bored Christians from other churches. We're trying to advance the kingdom into networking neighborhoods that are not reached by any church, populations that are not reached by church, introducing faith, re-evangelizing North America is really what uh, this mm-hmm. is all about. And and in Tyler, wouldn't you say, Heather, there's this growing sort of disquiet with church as um, it's been handed down to us, even a kind of a yeah. new church meeting in a different kind of space, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he he they launched in 2019 um, and things were going great. Uh, but he, again, he names this, this growth with, um, uh, Christians already Christians finding them, uh, and this growing, as he described a quiet dissatisfaction kind of agitation with church as he knew it or church that he was experiencing, um, how he was experiencing it. And, um, and he, he write, he, uh, quickly says that this is not everyone's journey and he's not trying to make it everyone's journey, but his journey was this, this, this quiet dissatisfaction. Um, and, um, in tandem with that, we had the global pandemic and then, uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the, the, the George Floyd murder. So, mm. uh, there's just a, a you know, yeah. a lot of things happening all at once while they're still, you know, pretty much in their kind of launch, uh, time of this new church. And, um, he, he says that the pandemic was the crucible that forged out of us something that we were holding on to in terms of how we were doing church. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was kind of a big, a big turning point for him. And their story is, um, so interesting. And in that crucible, they kind of rediscovered who they were and their church plant became a dinner church. So um, I know that there will be so much good stuff that, uh, that comes out of this conversation with our friend J.D. Larson. Welcome back to the Fresh Expressions podcast. I am excited to get to share with you today a new friend of mine, J.D. Larson. Hey, J.D. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. I really am looking forward to um, having you kind of share your story, uh, which is really the topic of of this this particular episode. And that's how you kind of started uh, to plant a church and you ended up with a dinner church. So uh, tell us kind of a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself the way you like to be introduced and tell us how that happened. What happened? What's the story? <laughs> what in the world happened there? What in the world happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
That's great. I love I love to tell the story. I don't know that I loved living the story while it was happening all the time, but I definitely love to tell the story now. So, yeah, uh, my name's JD. I am based in Minneapolis, where I um, have been in different forms of ministry for a little over a decade now. My wife, uh, Christian Ann, and I uh, co-planted North City Church together with a group of people who launched from one of our sending churches uh, in North Minneapolis. Uh, we live in North Minneapolis with our three kids, a six, four, and two-year-old, and our Springer Spaniel. So uh, there's a lot of energy in the house. We'll just say that. Say, yeah, that's <laughs> uh, a lot of energy. Yeah. Yes. A lot of energy and a lot of logistics. Yes. Yep. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I feel like uh, the analogy of juggling our life schedule just doesn't even cut it anymore. It's some, mm-hmm. Whatever's beyond juggling is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. know what part of the circus that is. But um, yeah, uh, we're, we're doing our best uh, to keep up and uh, yeah, launched the church in, in 2019. So uh, if, you're, if you're tracking with what's happened in the last few years uh, in the world, and in Minneapolis, uh, in particular, uh, it's been uh, quite quite the journey as church yeah. planners in this phase. We have joked several times, like I'm not sure we would have said yes if we had a picture of of what was before us. But uh, that's God's grace, sort of saying, like, Amen. Uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I, I know you can do this, but I don't. I'm pretty sure you don't think you can do this. So, uh, but that's sometimes a, a good place to see to be. To to see uh, God's work instead of your capabilities, I'd say. I, honestly, so, JD, I think yeah. I had that conversation with God the other day. Like, God, thank you for not showing me all of the things that I was about <laughs> to walk into because I would have run in the other direction. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you you plant this church in 2019. Are we talking late 2019? What are we talking about yeah. time frame here? <laughs> Yeah, great question. So it was brewing um, amongst the community that started it uh, from late 18 and then in some smaller expressions until what we just put a date on the calendar for like uh, uh, when we launched the church, we launched it in kind of the uh, typical church plant fashion where we had previous services, our our focus was still very much centered on a Sunday morning expression that involved preaching, worship, um, would be similar to a lot of experiences that you would experience on a Sunday morning if you walked into a inherited uh, historic church Uh mm-hmm. So that that all launched um, in 2019. So we were operating in that way for about six, seven months, I guess, and still until stuff got <laughs> stuff got weird. Yeah, uh, yeah that's a how lot we of stuff because, yeah. as as you said, your context is Minneapolis, and so. Yeah. Uh, not, not only are we talking about pandemic, but we're talking about George Floyd. We're talking about all the racial violence and, uh, injustices that came to light. We're already there, right? They were Mm -hmm. already there that were really, Mm -hmm. um, uncovered in really ugly ways. Uh, and obviously had a a huge impact. And then we have, you know, just the, the, the temperature, um, in our own, um, country, uh, political, political division, racial division, church stuff and pandemic and all of the things like you could say the perfect (laughs) when you say it all like that, Heather. Woo. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that was, that was, uh, 
that was where we found ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you're six months into this journey and all of this stuff is just, there, there are like all of these explosions and implosions happening around you. And mm-hmm. how was the church kind of adapting in the midst of all of that? And of course, you know, you got to a point in March of 2020 where you didn't have a lot of choices anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to synthesize all of the episodes of this story into a short order because there were so many quick successions of those implosions, explosions, yeah. and events that our church was processing uh, in quick fashion. Um, I, I just back up and say that our launch felt really good. And mm-hmm. pre-pandemic, there was momentum and um, a lot of excitement around what we were doing. But there was... I would say this quiet, sometimes not so quiet dissatisfaction with like, it seems like things are going mm. well. Mm. We were, we grew, we grew out of our first venue within three months. And, mm. um, but the growth was Christians finding yeah. us. Um, right. And so when you're a church plant and our heart specifically was for a particular neighborhood, for people who weren't walking through the doors of churches we were used to. And so there was this, there was this healthy dissonance, this healthy, um, I don't know what you call it, agitation or discontent that we carry. Discontent. Yes. (laughs) I love that. I love that phrase. Yeah. So we were there pre pandemic and then, and then six months into it, pandemic hit. And we were with everyone just scrambling, trying to figure this out. I mean, before mm-hmm. the pandemic, our live stream consisted of throwing a camera in the back and like streaming right. it on 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 Facebook Live for like the one person who was sick that day, and <laughs> we very quickly had to pivot to figuring out our online strategy. And we we survived. Uh, we did okay, but I think um, all of all of the things, particularly around how the pandemic affected how we did church, um, accentuated or agitated even further that holy discontent because yeah. the absence of being together made our heart grow fonder for not necessarily coming back together for that, but being together uh, in in different ways, I'd say. so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you, so you went from having the the... the the window in the back of the sanctuary or the, the the worship space where people were peeking in and seeing you to we're actually having to engage with the people that were uh, joining you online, which, mm-hmm. which, which should change um, yeah. how we do things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and necessarily should, but I think that that's still a big um, learning curve for, uh, for a lot of us who yeah. uh, are accustomed to, to doing it the same way for a really long time. Right. And that's yeah. something that, I mean, you, you adapted, you adapted in that manner, but then you adapted in other ways as well, which was kind of how the dinner church happened. Right. Yeah. So then fast forward to, uh, to a year later, if you will, 2021, um, where the, all of what we have stated, we'd been sitting with Christian Ann and I had our youngest in the midst of that. Um, and, we're helping lead a congregation as best we could in a kind of digital and then sometimes in person fashion. And we, we were, we did our best to adapt and God kind of uh, created the 
experimentation and mm-hmm. flexibility muscle. It's we really strengthened that in that time. But um, 2021, there was this uh, Sunday in February where we were uh, we had been kicked out of the local elementary school we were in. Um, because of the pandemic and not able to return. I was going to say, the, what'd you do? No. <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah. We were, we were those mean kids in the lunchroom and they kicked us out. No. Um, uh, because of the pandemic, they weren't taking yeah. in-person reservations, but uh, there was a denominational church that was down the street that was gracious enough to let us worship mm. there uh, and do a hybrid in-person and online. And uh, uh, there was one Sunday where there was just one faithful congregant who showed up in person and a a bunch or not a bunch like six or seven online. And it was just, uh, I would say the necessary end of a phase Mm. of, of, uh, for us. And this is our journey and I know it's not everyone's, but I, I look back on the pandemic and I see it as a a crucible in a lot of different ways that was forging, out of us, um, maybe some things we were holding on to in terms of how we were doing church that we were holding on to because it's what we knew. It was what was familiar. It, it was good, but uh, we could, uh, in our honest moments with each other and with God, knew that that wasn't the center of what he was calling us to. Mm-hmm. And I think we had to come to that necessary place where it was clear like there has to be something different that we're called to. And we, uh, in my mind at that phase, had about one more hand to play in our church planning journey. It was at that place. It was kind of a precarious, like we cannot persist. This, mm. this, is, this, this isn't us and we need to spend our efforts discovering who it is we are, um, mm. which led to some great soul searching, tough conversations. Um and really just a turning of that holy desperation towards prayer. And uh, in the midst of that prayer, what became very clear coming to the surface was this nugget of our DNA that was there from the beginning. So if you look back from the beginning of our time, we wanted to be a church that reimagined the table. We just Mm. uh, initially saw that as reimagining the communion table. Uh, even experimenting with meals outside of our Sunday gathering, uh, eating with our neighbors. And those were all amazing things and they were good. And they were kind of the center of what we were most excited about. But it just came to a point where we were challenged with the, the, I guess, a word from God to make that our our main thing, to become a table-centric church. And so I, I remember preaching this sermon in, I think sometime after Easter, that was like a vision sermon after that discernment and synthesizing what we had heard from our community. And I remember articulating to them like, y'all, what, what sort of story do we want to tell five years from now or 10 years from now? And I just said, I think the story that you feel like God is asking us to live is a table centric church, a, a church that creates a space to connect with God around a consistent community table. Uh, and there was agreement. And there was also this, like, we have no idea how to do that. So, um, uh, so it was quite a moment for us where we were full of faith and excitement. And so I said, Hey, let's experiment. This is the place to test out our faith and try things. So we we made the courageous decision to um, 
replace our sermons and worship and kind of typical gathering with a dinner church expression, even though we may not have had the words for it then. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tried some things in the park and I pitched it to my people. And I said, this is a summer of experimenting with being a table centric church. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So where did you, you, you said you wanted to be tabled centered. That was kind of your <clears throat> part of your vision really yeah. for the church. Yeah. Um, and you were, I guess, living that out in some ways as you could before the pandemic. And, and, and I think that it could have been seemed prohibitive, uh, you know, I say during, mm-hmm. are we still are we out of the pandemic? I guess, I don't know. But, no, I don't know. Yeah. But, but so I guess what gets you number one to the park and number two, is it, is yeah. it the pandemic reality? And then number two, like, where did you get your ideas around dinner church? Did those come from, from Verlin and from the movement yeah. that he started or like, how did that transpire? Yeah. Yeah, both and and a lot of those things. So we okay. were we knew that in the phase we were in in the pandemic that uh, two things were happening. We're in Minnesota, mind you. So uh, yes. summer summer is like when you walk out of your door and you're like, oh, neighbor, I haven't seen you in six months. It's great to wow. see you. So we were capitalizing on that a little bit where outside is where people gather in Minnesota in the mm-hmm. summer. Mm-hmm. We were also capitalizing or like, uh, responding to the practicalities of the pandemic that at that point it was safest for most people and most comfortable for most people to gather right. outside. And then we had seen little glimpses of, uh, of this, even in our own practices, we used to do things called, um, dinner on the parkway for mm-hmm. be pre-launch where we would host just a potluck on the park. Uh, there's a pretty prominent parkway that has a huge boulevard in our neighborhood. And, we wanted something like that. So we had practiced just a big Mm. community meal before and we're like, let's, let's try to do that. But then, you know, as, uh, as the leader of the church, I'm like, I better figure out some handles for what we're actually doing here. And that began the, the search. And I actually knew of Chris Morton, who's on the fresh expression staff. And, uh, he had posted something randomly. I was a friend with him on Facebook and it's a dinner church. I'm like, dinner church? It seems like I got to figure out what that is. Uh, so I went on a deep dive, uh, jumped on like an online class, dove through that. And I'm like, we got to go. We At that point, there were these things called immersions uh, where we had the opportunity to fly out and spend time with Verlin. And it was the f- we were the first immersion experience uh, post pandemic, I think. And I basically had to twist his arm to, to allow some of my team to come out and we weren't even able to see the full picture of, of their network of dinner churches. But I I remember having this conversation with Verlin on the phone where I'm like, Verlin, you don't understand. We are building this plane as it's taking off because at that point it was June and we had already done these meals in the park and, uh, we were already initially blown away with how, how, even though they were awkward, even though we were yeah. learning, even though uh, they weren't uh, perfect, they were so beautiful and neighbors mm. were showing up. And so it was, it was very quick confirmation that we, God was, had something for us here and we ought to learn how to respond to it. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we basically built the, 
that plane as it took off with the help of Verlin and and the materials from Fresh Ex- Fresh Expressions yeah. as uh, some guide rails, but then we brought our, as every dinner church does, yes, we brought sir, in our yes. own spirit yeah. and our own um, you, hospitality. The love of strangers has to be contextualized. It's yes, not cookie absolutely. cutter. That attentiveness so, to your own context is yeah. is super important. And I'm right. just curious, um, I don't want people to miss this. Uh, when you talked about planting the, the church in, in mm-hmm. kind of a, a traditional um, manner, Um, you said that you were growing, but it was primarily Christians, um, already Christians who, who was showing up at your, your dinners in the park on the parkway? Like who, who was showing up for these? Our literal neighbors. So our our (laughs) mission is to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus. Yes. And, uh, we were in community parks because of proximity to our neighbors and we would get walk-ups, but this funny little thing happened and I joke about this all the time. Our people started to invite people. I'm like, y'all, have we not talked about for the past year and a half? I know there was a pandemic, but like this whole church, I'm like, these people are like, oh yeah, my neighbor who I've known for a long time, I've been wanting to invite them to church, but man, I'm going to invite them if we have a meal. And like the pastor in me is like chuckling a little bit, but noticing how significant that subtle change between it was so empowering for our people oh. to have a meal to invite their friends and actual neighbors, mm-hmm. whether we talk about neighbors as people you do life next to either yeah. geographically or net, network wise or relationally. Right. And there was just so much more energy to invite uh, to a community yeah. dinner. And, you know, I just, I just smile about that. And I'm it's just, <laughs> just like something as a, a pastor you have to grapple with. Like it's a hard truth that, our yeah. people, they love Jesus. They loved our church, but felt way more confident inviting their actual friends to a meal. Wow. Wow. That is, that is a word. That is a word yeah. pe- people need to hear. I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot wrapped up in that. One of the, uh, some of the things that I've heard you say that I think um, I just want to kind of emphasize is you talked about experimentation yeah. and, you know, most of our, um, traditional forms of church planting are uh, kind of, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to keep doing that until Jesus comes back. Mm. Um, And, you know, and, and we're going to keep making it better uh, because we're going to keep doing it this way. And there's, there's a a lack of that embracing of an an experimentation. And then the, the, uh, the adaptive capacity that you were kind of continuously inviting the folks that were along the journey with you, um, into yeah. and that you know in growing that and and um and really kind of pushing some of the limits of comfort and um uh and even kind of what what might be expected or anticipated right like we're just we're gonna try something and mm-hmm. whatever happens we we know that the outcomes are up to god uh yeah. that we're called to be faithful and obedient to what it is that god's inviting us to be a part of and part of that was an attentiveness um that you had already uh um really kind of navigated with paying it, you know, you had to, right. You, you got to the point of, of desperation. Like we can't keep doing it this way. We have to try yeah. something different. Um, and that kind of reality check. That's, that's so good. And it's affirming to me that you noticed that, uh, you know, I said earlier that table was in our DNA, but, yeah. uh, 
a discernment posture, which means for us, like practically experimenting our way into discovering how God is leading us was also baked Mm -hmm. into our DNA, which I think is sets a community up really well to, for change, for rapid change that's necessary to, to respond to neighbors and love them. That's so good. It's such an open handedness, I think, to, 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 uh, embody, right? Like not only to let go (laughs) of some things, but to also be able to receive some new things. And um, most of us are white knuckling it through, you know, next Mm. Sunday. So um, I'm curious, you talked about flexibility, you talked about experimentation. It's also interesting that you talked about um, practicing together as a community uh, before you actually kind of did the thing that was open to the public. So I don't know if you want to say anything more about that, but you kind of had some practice rounds. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, that might have been mishearing me. We didn't. We probably should no. have. Uh, oh, so okay. what, what I was referring to is like uh, in our launch stage, we, uh-huh. we had some potlucks on the parkway that were kind of practices of okay, precursors yeah. in 2019. We should have practiced. <laughs> I think if I were to go back, I, I think some practice runs. And I would say one one more piece of our, our history leading up to it is we would have things on fifth Sundays called Table Church, which would be a mm. brunch that now looking back was very similar to what we do now. So the practice swings were in our story pre-pandemic, yeah. which ga- gave me a little confidence to just go try stuff. But even backing up in our story, I, I would have maybe advised some internal, like this is how it's going to be. Uh, so that people mm. could turn their attention from uh, the new experience for the Christian leaders to the experience of people who are visiting us yeah. uh, and be able to be fully attentive to the stranger rather than navigating their own uh, unfamiliarity with uh, what it's like to be a, a part of a dinner church. Yeah. So good. That's, that's some, that's some gold right now. Everybody needs to like rewind and listen to that again. <laughs> <laughs> So what, what do you think, um, JD, I mean, like you, I mean, you're still, you're still building the plane as you fly it. I I would Mm -hmm. venture to guess, because I know that you probably learned so much along the way that you're unwilling to just say, this is it. And this is how it's going to always be, um, just based on our conversations. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what, what, if, if you had to name like, you know, two or three big lessons that you learned along the way, how would you articulate those? The first thing that popped into my mind as a pastor, as a, a leader, like um, I'm just thinking in the frame of if someone's considering dinner church and wants to do this, what can they look forward to, or what should they, what 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 would I convey from my experience? Um, a couple things. The first thing is be attentive to the emotional journey of grief of your people in the process of experimentation and change into a new form of church. And, um, you, one of your calls as pastor, whoever leads the dinner church is to shepherd and you will not set yourself up. Well, if you neglect the process of grief of people who are sacrificially laying aside a liturgy or, a a, a rhythm, that has formed them through their Christian life to this point. Mm. Um, and if I wish I would have been more attentive and mm. leaned into those conversations, 
uh, they sounded something like, oh man, but I miss sermons and yeah. oh man, I miss worship music. And I kind of tend more towards the pioneer who's like, just stay focused, y'all. Like keep coming <laughs> through this. And, it's going to uh, be all my, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 My, my, my wife who has more of like in the APES terms, like pastoral uh, mm-hmm. giftings, uh, helped both of us be more attentive Mm. to not be afraid like that is a threat towards what you feel like God's called you to and to lean into it and realize that in order for people to appropriately mature into what I've kind of come to call dinner church Christians Mm. who have a posture and appreciation towards a agape feast orientation of a weekly rhythm rather than what they have been formed in for so long, Mm -hmm. which is maybe more of like a learning and experience posture uh, uh, to feed others rather than be fed as a a weekly rhythm, to put it brashly. Um, They need some help emotionally grieving. Um, Mm. So be attentive to that stage of denial, you know, bargaining, yeah. all of those stages of grief. All the things, yeah. All, that's so all those good. things, particularly Gosh. with your key leaders. Yeah. Um, just please don't. <laughs> uh, like, it is so hard when you're anxiously hoping for a new future to either grab hold of two things what you think needs to happen and yeah. what others have done before you. And yes. so, the temptation as a leader, the invitation towards dinner church and fresh expressions in general is an invitation to be a discerner, to be mm. uh, attentive, like uh, Alan Hirsch has a missional anthropologist in your context, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, listening to God's voice and listening to the neighbor's voice around you. And you have to hold that, um, uh, over and against your best judgments. So like we, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we did some things early on, like, uh, we had a, uh, yeah, we had, we imported some of our, what we would call churchy things into dinner church. And they were real awkward. Like we tried singing together and the neighbors were like, what is this? That might work for some people, but it just did not work in our context. Uh, we preached we preached more than we gave Jesus stories. Mm, Verlin mm-hmm. talks more about that. And you can mm. just tell, like our neighbors were like, what? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> what is this? But then uh-huh. when we stole, told stories from our life and story from yes. Jesus's life, people perked up. Um, so, and then there are some things that we saw other dinner churches doing and we tried and we had the courage to say, I don't think that's exactly right for us. Like we, we can carry the essence of that thing because we see that it's important, but we're going to contextualize that for ourselves. So yeah, those two things, attentive to leaders and then uh, lean into the scary space of like, so, so let me add one more thing. Um, one, One thing that was really important to me was uh, to elevate the perspective and experience of the stranger in our our midst. If what we were actually doing, one of the things we say we stole from a book called "The Gospel Comes with a House Key." I'm forgetting the author right now. Uh, but I know she, it was a woman, but I can't remember Rosario something yeah, or other. I think yeah. yeah. She has this phrase that we've adapted that the space we're trying to create is a space where strangers become neighbors and friends and get invited into the family of God. Mm -hmm. And that was really important to conceptualize what we were trying to do and how we were trying to reorient our practice. And, uh, 
what's key in that is elevating the experience of the stranger, even in the decision-making process. Yes. Like, so we would have meetings about how to keep adapting and forming. And I would, I would literally say in leadership team meetings and staff meetings, like picture, uh, Joseph, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is an actual neighbor of ours yeah. who came to our dinner church just by walking up with his dog. Mm-hmm. He's in this meeting too. What would he say? And right. wh- how would he influence? And clearly, you're not going to shape your whole dinner church on that voice. But to forget that voice is to miss the point of, of yes. kind of what you're going for. for well, it is that that, that humility, that emptying of ourselves, right? right. So that yeah. we might, yeah, so, so that we might love our neighbors in a way that looks like love for them, yeah. not for us. Exactly. <laughs> Which we, yeah. we can have, we can have all kinds of ideas uh, uh, about that. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious, um, what your church would look like today if COVID hadn't happened. If yeah. all, all of the implosions and explosions that, that have been named, like if, if that hadn't happened, um, I, I'm kind of just wondering, what do you think it would look like? You know, I've got a couple of answers to that question. Maybe this is one of those books where you can like pick the alternative ending to, based on <laughs> your mood or something. Dun, dun, um, dun. Yeah. One, one answer to that is, uh, real honestly, we had this moment where we were realizing pre-pandemic that we were just kind of a B version of the church mm. that had planted us. And if that would have persisted, I'm, we maybe would still be going, but Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be ourselves. We would be, um, perpetuating what was familiar, perpetuating, or, or like we wouldn't. So here's a big thing. uh, We could do a whole nother podcast on this, but (laughs) if you're going to do a fresh expression, if you're going to do dinner church, welcome to (laughs) some ego work, (laughs) some work. Um, and, uh, I, I think that was a necessary journey for us to discover who we were truly as a community, mm-hmm. not us trying to fill in any shoes or be someone else. Uh, but maybe a more hopeful thing is I think actually God was stirring a dinner church vision before the pandemic, to be yeah. honest with you. I think what I referenced about potlucks on the parkway, we were pushing our people to have uh, neighborhood dinners with just mm-hmm. neighbors and so mm-hmm. it may not have looked exactly how it looks now, but I, I, I would like to hope that that uh, ten- tenacious um, pursuit of our mission and uh, commitment to experimentation would have resulted in some sort of table expression, maybe yeah. in concert with uh, still a, a Sunday expression. But uh, Well, to borrow, to borrow uh, a phrase from our friend Verlin, I think that um, the, these table-centered churches, gatherings, communities of faith, whatever you want to call them, are great commission environments uh, mm. in ways that are um, are kind of our traditional forms of church are not, unfortunately, uh, at least anymore in the, the world that we're living in um, when, uh, you know, even starting a new church primarily um, brings already Christians um, that kind of like the the way you're doing worship versus maybe yeah. where they were. So um yeah, they're a great commission environment. So they not only uh help us 
uh, facilitate the the Great Commission that we're all called to be a part of. Um, they also uh, catalyze effective discipleship in a whole new way for the people that are already Christians, right? And yeah. um, and there's I, there's two words that I I think um, come to mind in um, what you said, and that's particularity uh, to context and community, and then the priesthood of believers, which mm-hmm. comes into play when we when we talk about those gifts of the apest in Ephesians four that all of them are needed. Uh, together for the growing up, for the maturity of the church. And and that means that um, professionals like you and I uh, have to uh, humble ourselves and recognize that we're just a part of the body, not... Yeah. We're not the head. Jesus is the head. And and how we all utilize those gifts together for God's glory and for the Great Commission, I think, is such an integral part of the dinner church movement. Yeah. And I think what you've you've discovered along the way as well. <laughs> yeah, that's so good, Heather, because like I think one of the question marks that comes up and I know it it does because people ask, like, what does discipleship look like in a mm-hmm. dinner church context if mm-hmm. you're forsaking the sermon, forsaking worship expressions, Mm -hmm. forsaking Sunday school, maybe even if that's your practice. And it's just what you described. Like it's, it's, it's an environment and a way of being the church that promotes the priesthood of all believers out of necessity, you know, like everyone, like we're, we're in this discussion right now. Like how do we people, it's, it's not so much like, what are we doing for discipleship, but how do we help people to see that discipleship is actually happening because it's we happening. have so, we have so many frames for like discipleship yes. coming through certain methods, whether it be Bible yes. study sermons that mostly it information transformation. Yeah. yeah. More academic and, curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. So it, the conversation is like, how do we give people the frames, the vision to see that, this is actually how Jesus discipled others yes. to bring them along mission, to help them step in and meet a need, to help them like literally have a way of doing church that would not work if they didn't show up. And I, yeah. I've communicated that to our people yeah. early on. I said, like, listen, my sermons, our worship were the content before. Now your lives and you Amen. listening to what the lives of your neighbors and naming God's action in the lives of your neighbors is the content. That's the content now. And that's what is forming us in the way of Jesus is the ability to see that, to discover that, to lean into that, uh, is that's what's supplanting my just killer sermons on Sunday. (laughs) Um, yeah, just kidding. That's great. That's great. I think, I think, um, there is so much there is so much to learn about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and dinner church yeah. is certainly uh facilitates at least moving in that direction in ways that a, a lot of our uh current reality does not so hmm. very much a gift to the church and so grateful uh to be uh, a part of this movement and have had the um the joy of of experiencing as well is there is there something, a question I haven't asked you that I should be asking or something you haven't said that you feel like people need to hear? Yeah. I mean, there's certainly a lot more to say about Dinner Church and I'm glad that you're having Dinner Church voices on the podcast. And I'm part of what I hope to do is connect more people who are doing this uh, so that they can share stories. Mm-hmm. One thing I say is like, I, 
I can tell Heather, you and I love the theological aspects of this, love the discipleship aspects of this. I would just say, oh man, there's so much beauty in how simple this is. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's fun, y'all. It's fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Like I remember saying, you know, there's parts of it that are not fun, obviously, but I remember saying to mentors of mine, once I launched into this and led our community towards it, they're like, Hey, how are you doing, man? How are you doing? I'm like, I am having fun for the first time in a long time. Mm. And maybe, you know, maybe that was the most meaningful thing to me in that season of life. Uh, Cause there was tons of heavy stuff going on. Yeah. There still is tons of heavy stuff going yes. on. Yeah. And like, let's not minimize the importance of, of joy in the midst mm. of our vocation and ministry. And there's something to it. There's something to it to dinner church and the simplicity and the laughter around the tables and the meeting someone new and interesting. And, uh, I, I would, I would be remiss if someone missed that element of dinner church, uh, even in the midst of these important things that we've talked about. Yeah. So good. So good. Because I think all, all, a lot of times we talk about, um, starting dinner churches or, or, or community dinners as, um, uh, a way to love our neighbors, which it absolutely is, and to form relationships with our neighbors that are potentially never going to walk in our buildings. And it absolutely is. However, we cannot diminish the significance of the opportunity that's being provided for the folks that are already a part of our churches to get yeah. out and literally put some some skin in the game, literally incarnational mission and witness. And um and I, I, I know you've seen this and I've seen this. Um, people people uh, grow up in a whole new way and <laughs> what yeah. it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that's never, I'll never get tired of that. That's good stuff. <laughs> they grow up and they get little again. They experience yes, the, the joys yes. of like, uh, like Jesus saying, like, see the kingdom of God through the eyes of the children. Like there's, mm. there's a lot of just simplicity in that fashion too. So coming, yeah, coming alive, coming alive yeah, in a whole new yeah, way. That's good. So good. So good. Thank you so much, JD. Absolutely. I really appreciate your time. I look forward to getting to, to do some more work together with you and hear more stories, share more stories. And, um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to, to get in touch with you? Yeah, I have a Fresh Expressions email. You can find my link on the bio in the Fresh Expressions page. Um, I'm not going to attempt my email because it's new to me and I don't want to butcher it. (laughs) Go online, find it. uh, And uh, you can also check out my church and reach out to me that way. It's NorthCityChurchMPLS.com. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, those things if you want to check out a little bit more context to the stories that I've been sharing. So So good. Thank you so much, GD, for your time. And we look forward to talking with you again soon. Fresh Expressions is a worldwide movement of everyday missionaries who want to see churches thrive in the places we eat, play, work, and yes, even in our traditional churches. To learn a simple five-phase process for starting a new expression of church, go to freshexpressionsus.org backslash how to start. The Fresh Expressions podcast is hosted by Gannon Sims and me, Heather Delod. It's edited by Joel Limbaum and produced by Kathleen Blackie and Chris Morton. Our national director is Dr. Christopher Backert. If you've learned something or been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word 
You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and share this episode on social media. Now, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that God's ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. <laughs>